Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, where a gaming podcast. And each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And hello and welcome back, everybody. Thank you guys for, you know, dealing with that little bit of a break that we had there. And we hope that you've really appreciated a couple of those episodes that we put out uh, from our past. Uh, we put out the Tamagotchi one and our Xenophobia episode, actually. And those are two of our definite favorite episodes. They were so much fun to do. And I feel like those were, that was like during our time, it was early enough, I guess, right? But those those were the moments in which we really felt like there was some real growth within the show. So we really wanted to share those with that. It was kind of like our our turning point or whatever you might want to call it, right? And so it was just a lot of fun. But we're all we're both back now. Uh, I'm back from my trip. It was, a, it was a great little trip, much needed trip. Uh, and, you know, we talk about games a lot here, right? We are a gaming podcast, but I really want to urge people to go outside every once in a while, <laughs> like unplug. Uh, it's it's really nice. I'm not going to lie. Right. I spent two weeks literally with no service for most of it uh, out in the middle of nowhere. We had camping sites that quite literally had absolutely no one around us. Like we on the last night, we were on a mountaintop by ourselves, completely by ourselves. And that was pretty fantastic until the storm came. But whatever. (laughs) The storm came and we had to run down the mountain real fast at two in the morning. That was a little terrifying, but it's a lot of fun still. Yeah, dude, I kid you not. At, at, like before we went to sleep everything was all calm it was beautiful i've never seen the sky turn purple blue and pink at before all at the same time it was really really trippy and then at one in the morning we both get woken up because so we have one of those rooftop tents that's on top of our jeep mm-hmm. and the entire jeep shifted and we're like what the fuck was that <laughs> like that was, <laughs> it was terrifying and it turns out that was the wind. The wind was picking up to about 30 miles an hour at that point. And we happened to get one bar of service at that time. So we looked at the weather radar and the Doppler was telling us that there in about three hours, there's going to be a storm front coming in that's covering the entire state of Utah. And we're like, oh, crap. <laughs> like we need to get down this mountain because up there in that area, it's not mud that you have to worry about. Mud you can deal with, especially with the vehicle that we have. Uh, the terrain turns to clay. And that will just stick to your tires to the point where mm. it it keeps growing and expanding, kind of like a um, Katamari ball, right? All the way to the point where it fills your fenders and you, your tires don't move anymore. So it's kind of terrifying, actually. So that's what we were running away from at two in the morning <laughs> before the rain hit. So that was that was pretty crazy. But we're back now. And uh, actually, coming back, it, there's been some really big games coming out. And I feel like the conversation has been growing throughout the entire year. I mean, we're coming up to the end now. Of course, it's September already. Uh, but the the fact that this year has been a crazy, crazy year for video games. We have seen so many amazing titles out there. And most recently, one of the biggest ones in news currently is Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is really showing us what games can be. The amount of versatility that's in there, the visuals on it are insane. 
to the point where I'm even hearing from people that know nothing about games. Like my partner knows nothing about games. She doesn't care about video games at all. And she came home the other day and was like, hey, people at work were talking about this game. Are you playing it yet? And I was like, why do you know that name? <laughs> right? Like it. So it's, it's crazy how much uh, video games have become mainstream. And it's all due to the fact of how stellar the titles have come or that have come out this year alone are. Like, I mean, come on. We got Zelda as well, like Breath of the Wild 2, which is a fantastic title. Uh, then we have Baldur's Gate now right after that. We have. Uh, even for like mobile games, the new Final Fantasy VII game that just came out is amazing. And it's really cool that they're doing that. Like there's so much to talk about here. But with that, it, it some people might even say that this is a renaissance period for games because it did feel like we were getting a little bit of a lull there for the last couple of years. I mean, mind you, yes, COVID was happening. So a lot of production was put on hold. And this year feels like the first year that we are just getting straight releases that should have probably come out about a year or two ago. So this year has just been stacked with titles uh, because of that. But, you know, people's attention spans are so short that two years feels like a lifetime. So, of <laughs> course, <laughs> they feel like this is a true renaissance period for games. Now, the question is, is it really a renaissance period? And what is really like adding to this idea. What is making people really feel this way to like have this conversation? It's the golden age of X genre, right? Insert genre here, basically, right? And I mean, it, there's so many different genres that are coming out. There's so many different types of titles that are, are being released. Uh, so we figure we talk about that a little bit and just kind of discuss what a true renaissance period in gaming is. And Maybe by the end of this, we will through our conversations and seeing where this goes. Who knows? Maybe we'll convince ourselves this actually is a real renaissance period in gaming. Now, before we start diving into games and uh, before I hand it over to you, uh, like when I think renaissance personally, I feel like there really needs to be a dark age beforehand, right? There really needs to be a, a true lull in an art form in something right in order for there to be a renaissance period for it and like when like when we use those terms very true to form right there was the dark ages and then there was the renaissance right afterwards right like that that's where these things are coming from uh and i don't really see a dark age for gaming i see a slowdown for gaming over the past few years, but it's something that we've seen consistently throughout the entire lifespan of video games themselves, right? They've, we get about like five to 10 years of good games, but sporadic, right? And then all of a sudden we get that one year where it's like, holy crap, where did all these games come from, right? And why have I not heard about these? Or there's 50 new titles out that are all bangers and it's new franchises coming out and it's, it's just like all this amazing stuff. So I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the it, w granted, yes, this year is a fantastic year for gaming. Is it a true renaissance period right now? Wh what do you think? It's <laughs> I think that it really depends kind of how you look at it like genre wise. I think some of them were starting to see kind of innovation in their fields whereas other ones you know it 
to say like all games are kind of like reaching that like where we're in a renaissance i don't i wouldn't say that just because you know if you only do triple a games i would say yes we're definitely in a renaissance right like disregarding any kind of indie title if you're going based on triple a games i think that yes this year triple a has done really really well that goes to show how little triple a does all the time though exactly and it's like you know like last year like you look at like the big games and it was like well elden ring basically stole the show right Mm -hmm. and then after that it was just kind of like smaller re-releases god of war chained echo stuff like that but it wasn't really like titles that are gonna like blow you away Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there were some there was a lot of good indie titles last year, but when it came to AAA, there just wasn't. It wasn't doing it for me, especially me, you know, but this year, even though we have seen a lot of like remakes, remasters, sequels and stuff, they've all been really well. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that the AAA side of this kind of was missing out. like. I, I'm a person, I'll play anything, right? I'll play AAA to indie to even like, you know, very small indie, like itch.io kind of stuff, because it, it's fascinating what's out there. You know, it, the more you're open to trying these different like styles of games, the more you realize like, oh my God, it's just endless how many games there are and surprisingly how many good ones there are. But this year alone, like you could say this year is definitely a beacon of light compared to the past few years. I mean, like you said, COVID definitely was something that really pushed everything out. You know, like you look back like 2021, like, yeah, there were some decent games that came out, but it's not like this year where every genre is getting either a highly rated game but there's just also a title from a well-known franchise. I mean, mm-hmm. how, how long has it been where we've seen a, Di- a new Diablo? We've seen a new Street Fighter. We've seen a new Zelda, a new Zelda, a new Boulder's Gate, you know, and then you count like the remasters, right? You got Metroid Prime. You got Resident Evil 4 remake. Which was you amazing. Got- that remake is insane. You got the Quake remaster or Quake Two remaster, which a lot of people really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, it, I mean, you just keep going back. There's a new Ghost Trick or the, the remake of that. Um, there's the Dead Space remake. Um, and then you Another look at like one. other genres that are like doing really well. Like you got Pizza Tower platformers. You got Hi-Fi Rush, which is rhythm based. You got Sea of Stars. You got What's the, new, to... what's the new jet set out right now too oh yeah I, oh that was something i beat while you were gone too oh um, nice bomb rush cyberfunk yeah that looks awesome that looks so cool it and a lot of like i'll put it this way it really does feel like it would be like an, a, a third game in that series like mm-hmm. for better or for worse for people wanting something really really new this feels like it was just made not long after that, but I really, really enjoyed it. But that's the thing I love is that, you know, where the AAAs are kind of like lacking 
a lot of these indie titles are there to boost it. And this year has been just phenomenal. You know, it's like, it's funny because I love Jet Set Radio and that style in general. And when I heard about this game, I was excited about it, but then I forgot about it. And then I saw it mentioned again. I was like, ooh, I'll give it a try. And I just could not put it down. I finished it and I was like, man, like this year is just, I feel like almost every game I've touched this year, I've like really enjoyed it that have come out this year. And I think this year I've actually been doing a pretty good job keeping up with games that have come out. Um, at least the ones that I want to play. And it's crazy. Like I think this year I'm getting up there for more games completed than I have the past few years. Um, just because they're so good. Like yeah, your list is insane. <laughs> like it's pretty long now. Yeah, it's and I mean I've since the last time you saw the list, I've added a couple more to it. Jeez. And I'm I'm trying to beat like games that I've always wanted to, right? Like not too long ago I beat Mario Galaxy. It's I'm trying to mix in old with new. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to do that before, you know, right now, right? Like we got a lot of big games. We got Starfield, Boulders Gate, all this stuff going on. And I'm just like, man, I can't keep up with the old stuff or in, and this stuff. And it's just like, well, you know, the nice thing about now until October, it's kind of catch up. And then October hits and we got Mario Wonder. We got um, Alan she, Wake 2. Like Mario we got RPGs coming out. That too. Like this year, you know, is there's still a lot of big name titles coming out. And it's crazy. And I, you know, when I was kind of looking over like either websites, Twitter, all that kind of stuff, and I was looking over what people classify as like, oh, what's the best year in gaming and stuff like that. And I'm trying to look at it as like, okay, what's not a game that everyone is saying is the best because it's their personal like nostalgia? Because mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I I will agree. Like, if there's a lot of games I'm nostalgic for, I will be like, yeah, this was a fantastic year for this, even if those games don't hold up. Right. But, you know, I think the one that everyone is basically always agreeing on is 98, because you see so many franchises that were just big. You got Boulder's Gate, Metal Gear, Panzer Dragoon Saga, Half-Life. Fallout 2, Resident Evil 2, StarCraft, like the StarCraft and Counter-Strike starting, like, even though, like, it was very, very basic back then, but I mean, think about really big esport games just starting all the way back then. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the shift of Zelda going from 2D to 3D. And for me, one that really affected me was that's when Pokemon came over here. Right. And really revolutionize that style of RPG. I mean, when you strip Pokemon down, it really is just another turn based RPG like like Final Fantasy. Rock, paper, but, scissors, turn based, yeah. Yeah. But it was a different style to it. It was innovative. And, you know, a lot of these games that I mentioned are innovative in different ways. And that year, I mean it's piggybacking off of 97, which a lot of people really liked as well. You know, you saw a lot of evolutions of genres there too, with Final Fantasy 7, 
Symphony of the Night. Like, it's endless. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to list all the games, but it's like, it's crazy to think like there's always a point where it feels like for one or two years back to back, it's always very, very strong, takes a step down for a year or two, and then comes back. Right. And I definitely think that from like 97 to 2004 it felt like it was a very strong time because the technology was advancing so we're seeing all these kind of games come out that just we wouldn't have without that technology which you know nowadays we don't really see that kind of growth in gaming i feel like the only time i see innovation in games are through indie titles that are not afraid to try something new you know, we don't see Sony with PlayStation make weird games like they did on the PS1 or PS2. Right. You know, Xbox, it's safe. Nintendo, they're Nintendo. but And it's getting weird. The marketplace in Nintendo has definitely changed a lot. Yeah, it's... Nintendo has changed in a lot of ways. And after hearing some of these rumors about, the, you know, the new Switch being able to run Unreal 5 and have these basically it almost makes it sound like oh it's gonna be maybe as strong as a ps5 and Mm -hmm. it's crazy to think oh wow nintendo is actually gonna you know be on the same level and you know for me like i never really looked back and been like wow this was an amazing year in games because for a long time i didn't really i wasn't into games as i am now and I think, you know, the other, you know, I'm trying to like look at how this year is compared to some of these bigger years. And the other big one everyone was kind of bringing up was uh, 2007, right? Because that was the year that we saw the start of a lot of franchises that are big now. Uncharted, well, Uncharted is not really big anymore, but it was. And yeah, same with Portal. Yeah, but, you know, Bioshock started then, Assassin's Creed, Mass Effect, Halo 3, and, you know, Modern Warfare, right? Call of Duty 4. Like, it. this is going to sound weird, and I was going to talk about this in our update, but so before I got sucked into, you know, CSR, all these RPGs I'm playing right now, I was playing Modern Warfare, the the, the original version, or the, really? the remaster, for the first time. I So I've played it multiplayer back in the day but i never played the campaign i've honestly i think i've only played the campaign for call of duty 2 Hmm. and even then it was only a mission or two because i just i was an rpg dude i i didn't really care about like military shooters like i liked like doom kind of stuff or hex and like weird shooters but when it came to like being a soldier i was like i don't really like this so i just blew them off but i'm like damn this game's actually kind of cool like the story is well shooting the gun feels good i'll put it that way but Mm -hmm. um it's you know you see this innovation happen every few years with certain genres certain technology and from a technological standpoint i feel like we haven't really seen much growth i mean with unreal 5 you know with lumen and all that kind of stuff like yeah the that's that's the next step or you know with nvidia like the dlss and with ai kind of filling in 
spots to make games run better and look good. We're not seeing that initial 2D to 3D jump or like PS1 graphics to PS2 where everything was a lot smoother. I don't really know if we're ever going to like, I mean, we're, we're at a point where visuals look so damn good. The only problem is, will it run good? Right. And I think if we get to a point where everything can run at at least 60 frames, no matter what, I think that will be the next, like, you know, goal point. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not like it's a super noticeable goal point compared to a lot of these things in the past. But, you know, this year, it's crazy. You know, I this whole topic kind of, for me, started when I was reading uh, this article on IGN about how they were saying, like, we're in the golden age of RPGs. And mm-hmm. when I first saw that, you know, typical, you know, headline title, and a lot of people on Twitter were pissed about it, too. They were like, well, you know, actually, you know, Square, like Squaresoft age. And for a moment, I was like, yeah, I agree with them. Like that, that point was really like the, the point where we were seeing so many good RPGs, right? Late nineties, you had not only great, like turn base, you had great, like computer RPGs, you had everything strategy, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But back then, while you could say that Final Fantasy VII was more accessible to people than, say, Baldur's Gate or Icewind Dale, which, you know, up until recently even looked obtuse to me, right? Like, I never, I was always intrigued and fascinated by these computer RPGs, but I was too afraid to play them because they just seemed so difficult compared to what I was used to. Right. But nowadays, especially with the RPG genre, it's become so accessible where almost anybody can pick them up and play them, right? I mean, you look at The Witcher two, or Witcher 3, and that's a game that really kind of came out of nowhere because the first two were just kind of like cult, cl- cult hits, and then 3 came out and really shook things up. And then, you know, we start seeing all these other kind of shakeups with the genre, and it's looking at what they were saying i think it being more accessible to people that were turned off by rpgs for a long time it's fascinating mm-hmm. right like who would have thought boulders gate 3 would blow up the way it did because before it came out you mentioned boulders gate 1 and 2 a lot of people would be like uh like that's like Unless they're fans of them, they'd be like, oh, those games seem like they'd be really hard. Or, you know, people weren't, like, explosive well, about and them. And D&D wasn't that popular, right? That, like, too. It, it, I feel like D&D definitely has gone through what we would call a full renaissance period. Because mm-hmm. it's been, like, it was super popular when it first came out. And then, of course, with all the hate behind it and the rumors of demonic crap that's there, right? Like, it... It, there was a big lull and then it just became a joke of something you play in the basement with your friends, right? And it's a very nerdy thing. But now 
it's very mainstream. I mean, hell, we just made a they just made a movie about Dungeons and Dragons that did really well. It's I didn't think it was a good movie. I thought it was kind of silly, but the movie did really well, right? Like it's entertaining, right? It's a movie, (laughs) but (laughs) like it helps build this platform of acceptance to these this idea. And Baldur's Gate three is the closest you could probably get to D and D the video game, right? Like it it's so good. the way it does it with the dice rolls and all that. And I think it just came out at that perfect time. And then you pair that with the pure visuals, like the power behind this game and just the sheer amount of possibilities that are in this title. It just really blows me away and it catches the attention of a lot of people. Gamers or non-gamers like at work. I'm the only person that actually enjoys these kind of games, right? These strategy games, turn-based, a little slower paced. Uh, but like everyone at work wants to play this, or at least the gamers now want to play it or they're curious about it or like they they sh- saw me playing it on my lunch break and they're like, yeah, we want, like, what is this? How much is this? I need to play this. That's so cool because they were looking at the cinematics of it and you can't, like, there, you cannot doubt the fact that like those cinematics are phenomenal. Like, I haven't seen a game that look that good. And like you said earlier, I don't really see visual graphics getting that much more, like, mind-blowing than where we're currently at. Like, sure, we Unreal 5 is insane, but we're seeing it now being utilized in games, right? So it's there needs to be, like, a major, major jump uh, in order to get that, like, true... Like, like you mentioned, going from PS1 to PS2, right? Like, the, like those are big jumps. And I don't think we're really going to see that anymore because of how much things have meshed and, like, kind of become synonymous of one another. Whereas before, like, if you... PC gaming has always been the top of the line when it comes to graphical input, right? But not everyone had a workstation or a power horse kind of computer to handle those kind of graphics. But now our consoles are they have the same equipment in them so they're able to run this these kind of games so like there isn't really there's a weird mesh between all consoles and pc gaming at this point where graphical power is kind of the same across the board right except for switch of course right and the switch is always nintendo's always behind when it comes to graphics but they're able to pump out really strong games that actually mean something or they're able to tug at our nostalgia heartstrings very well to make us actually care about these titles so it's it it, i don't know i am curious to see where we're gonna go from here like what's the next big jump what's the next big push uh what's the next big title that's going to be coming out to really push the boundaries themselves because we've been seeing it the boundaries being pushed but we're only seeing it from indie titles lately like AAA has been so afraid to really push the boundaries and really risk something and like sure like we have some amazing AAA titles coming out now but they're not really changing the formula up that much they're just polishing mm-hmm. the hell out of it though right like Baldur's Gate is still Baldur's Gate it's still the same game with the core concept right like it's still Divinity I'm playing the same game but damn is it polished right and I think that's what's really amazing right now to see is the sheer amount of polish that they're able to put on these titles. And it, it's just phenomenal. And the fact that it's so easily accessible right now is insane, right? Like I can play a game that looks that damn good 
on a console or on PC, right? And that's that's never really happened before. That's not something that's very common, I would say. Like, I feel like that's over the last couple, like, few years that we've really been able to see that where it runs just as good. Like, you remember those old screenshots you would see of, like, oh, running on the Xbox 360 and then running on PC and, like, the Xbox version looked like dog shit? <laughs> like, oh, like the, Crisis, the, yeah. Yeah, like, the colors aren't there, things are blocky and polygony, and then you look at the PC version, and you're like, what the hell is this? It looks like a completely different game. And now when you look at side-by-sides, it's, like, not really that noticeable, honestly. Like, maybe there's some stutter. Maybe on the console, things crash a little bit more often. But, like, besides that, it's not that noticeable. And I feel like people have come to kind of accept games crashing, right? Like, it just seems to be kind of more of, like, a commonplace thing where it's like, yeah, it's probably not optimized because they put games out so fast nowadays they don't fully test them now anymore, right? Or... They do so much with them, it's not optimized to every single person's setup or every rig or any of that stuff, or there's so much cross-platform, so it works really great on this, but not on this one. There's So crashing has become kind of acceptable for this. But besides like graphical input and polish, in my opinion, I feel like the last true true renaissance besides the all the years that you've mentioned and the amazing titles that came out because i think those are really great pivotal moments in gaming uh those are really great milestones for us uh but i feel like the true renaissance of gaming wasn't it was in 85 right like that when the gaming market in north america was crashing horribly but that's just a renaissance for us personally that's not a worldwide renaissance but mm-hmm. our world scope is so small that we only see what's in front of us. <laughs> so the rest of the world didn't yeah. matter at that point. <laughs> but like video games were dying out here. Like it was a, it, it was going to go out, right? Like no one really gave a crap anymore. And arcades were failing, right? Like it was, it was going out. Like North America almost lost video games forever in a sense. And then N- Nintendo brought gaming like back to the home made it really really accessible and i feel like that that change that that switch right there that that was a true renaissance period of gaming like that i can point to and be like yes because that set in motion everything that we have today now everything up after that point is just a huge milestone in the progress that we have been making since then like i that at least that's my opinion of of the matter there You know, I was thinking about, I guess, something that I would find innovative in the tech side of things would be true cross-platform play and, like, cross-save. You know, we kind of see that with, like, Boulder's Gate 3, where, you know, supposedly with the PC, you can move your save, I think, to the PlayStation 5 and vice versa. Like as long as yeah. you have, like a lot of these games have it where if you make an account with you know their website, your saves transfer that way. Which and, is nice because can you imagine how many hours people are dumping? <laughs> yeah, like it. It's nice to be able to do that, but it's weird when you think like, why can't this be more of a standard? And mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. It it seems like it'd be very hard to do, and to an extent not really in the hands of say Sony or Microsoft to try and enforce that because 
yeah, personal accounts for this makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're starting to see where, yeah, Discord is now on PlayStation and Xbox, and it's nice to be able to talk to somebody on Discord through the console itself. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't have to... I mean, it's you know, a much better chat system than anything those consoles have ever come up with. It, exactly. Especially and, Nintendo. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that thing's just awful. It's, it's, but it's like, yeah. like, that's one small step mm-hmm. to creating this, like, kind of unified gaming sphere. Well, like, I know d- con- despite, like, despite, like, everything, all the, the negative issues that Overwatch has had over the last couple of weeks. Right, like being the the most negatively reviewed game on Steam and all mm-hmm. this crap, right? Like they are cross platform, and that's pretty cool. And across every platform, so it is doable, right? Like it, it is possible. Like they even have it where I can be on a PC or I can be on the Nintendo Switch, and I can play a match with someone else. Now, is it going to be the same experience across the board? Not exactly, but the technology is there to do it. So. Yeah, that would be really interesting to actually see it become a true cross-platform experience, no matter what you're on, a more unified experience. That and also like cross-play, because a lot of games, I understand with shooters why you can't have PC matching with console just because, you know, the the advantage of a mouse mm-hmm. and keyboard. But with games that where that's not the objective, it's interesting that you still can't play with somebody like that. When you look at Boulder's Gate 3, like PS5 people can't play with PC. And it's Which like... It's a shame. Why not? A game like that, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I'm like, hmm, that's kind of odd. I don't really understand why. But, you know, I think for me, even though it's not like game innovation, I feel like these kind of quality of life things would just make gaming even more fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that's ultimately really important because throughout the decades, you see that while gaming has definitely become more convenient with how these consoles have more options for things, more accessibility options. And I think like maybe tech wise accessibility has been a big uh, increase over the past few years, thankfully, right? Mm-hmm. Like almost all walks of life can now play games even if something is like kind of in the way, but um, something I was thinking about, you know, and I was talking about like what everyone kind of views as like the great years for gaming. But I think for me, uh, a really important year, and I never really thought about this until recently, because I was kind of like just looking over this stuff, but I, I feel like 2001 was mm. really the year where we saw, almost every genre kind of evolve, right? Um, Smash Brothers Melee mm-hmm. was an evolution. You look That's when Halo came out. And, I mean, Halo was such an evolution of Doom and Quake in a lot of ways, right? Like, it, it, it was a new form of shooter that just was so different for the time. And granted, I was young in 2001, but I remember the hype that Halo had. Oh, yeah. And Every kid had it. That was the game. Yeah. You know, it, it, it. you had that. The same year, you also had GTA 3, which was 
mind blowing too, because it's like, whoa, this open world. Like, I think there were some open world games before it, but they were so small compared to GTA Mm three. Like I remember playing GTA three when it came out and, or a little bit after it came out and then just being blown away. I was like, Oh my God, I'm driving around a city and it's like seamless. Like it was just, you know, it was something you never saw before. Um, you had, um, Oh God, you know, silent Hill two, which was a nice kind of growth for horror games. You had final fantasy 10, you had Metal Gear solid two. And it, there were so many games that year that also kind of, you know, you see a lot of things get modernized. I'll put it that way. And I think that's something a lot of people don't really look at when they look at these games is that how do things become easier for people to play or get into? And that's why I think this year we see that right with all of these remasters and remakes alone, it makes games that well probably weren't really available before or easily Mm -hmm. it. Anyone can pick up and play, right? You look at dead space, you look at Resident Evil four, like it's just, it's made for modern audience, make it easier to play through these amazing stories. And I think, you know, the way Capcom remakes games, it's that's innovation right there. I think how they're able to turn Resident Evil two, three, four, you know, it's their RE engine is phenomenal. And I would love to see them just remake everything. I mean, if we were able to remake games as well as they do, it it would be awesome, right? Like I think the the thing that NVIDIA was putting out recently about how uh, there's a tool they'll use where you can kind of upscale older games through your graphics card and like through AI. And they did it with like Morrowind and made it look really good. Mm-hmm. You know, it. I think that's something too that we're going to see maybe a few years from now where that might become a thing where instead of pushing out remasters, like we use the setting and boom, games look great. But I don't know. Like, I know I'm starting to ramble on this, but it's, you know, I think when it comes to dark ages, it's, it's really hard to kind of say, like, did we have like an era of not so great games? And it, I think in more so instead of the years, it's genre and definitely some have had that, but the, because so many games come out from so many walks of life that just gets turned around so quickly. Now we don't see long lulls of like not so great games anymore, you know, especially if you're looking at the industry as a whole, like there's always something good coming out and it's, it's awesome. You you didn't see that before. Like nowadays it's easier for a solo dev or a small team to put out a game compared to before where, you know, they had to talk with a publisher, get a disc unless they wanted to be on PC. And it's, 
it's fascinating. It, it really allows anyone to get into this industry and it shows that, you know, because it's so easy, it, it allows for more creativity. And I think that's kind of where we're going. And if we're, if we haven't hit like a renaissance yet, I think we're going to see a big change with gaming, mm -hmm. with it being more in media, like how you were saying, where even people that don't play games talk about it. Like it's become so, it's become like movies and TV. And I think that's kind of the next step where it's just, it's there. It's gonna always be there and the most important thing is just you know we see creativity and change and honestly the way we're going it seems like it's only going up from here yeah all right well i think that's gonna do it for us this week hope you guys enjoyed this little conversation and you know hope you guys enjoyed us having us back it's been a long time since we actually recorded an episode and I'm not gonna lie, it felt real damn good. <laughs> I did miss this. I missed this a lot, honestly. It's been, what, three weeks since we've done one? Jesus. It feels like forever. Yeah, it's nuts. But anyway, what games are you guys playing? Who's playing Boulder Gate? Come on, everybody, play it. Because <laughs> holy crap, it's amazing. If, you, if you're able to play it, play it. Or what titles out there really blew you away this year? And what would you say? Like, what what categorizes a actual renaissance period? Or are we just having a truly amazing year in gaming that is just unbelievable for most people? Who knows? Anyway, we'll talk to you guys next week with some more games. Uh, but until then, bye for now.